Welcome to the sermon podcast from North Decatur United Methodist Church, where all are welcomed and included, connected with God and with one another, and sent out in service and invitation to the world. Each week we bring you the most recent sermon from me, Patrick Fallhaber, or from guest preachers. Thank you for listening and subscribing. This story I think is really interesting because we get to see a glimpse into the very like human aspects of who Paul is, uh, as well as we get to see Paul in a new space, in a new setting, and dealing with different circumstances. If you remember um, last week, we talked about how Paul was a, a zealous, zealous follower of God. He wanted deeply to have his religious community return to their sacred purpose of, of um, lifting up and celebrating the presence of God in everything that they do. And he was willing to make sacrifices for the sake of that end. And so for him, he saw this movement following Jesus as a threat to his goals of seeing the people of faith, the, his pe Hebrew people, return to their absolute attention to God through worship in the temple and through uh, the adherence to all of the laws in the Torah. And so when he saw um, early Christians, early people following, who were following Jesus, he saw them as a threat to that way of life. And he was willing to uh, allow people to die, even supervising their deaths, if it meant that the people might return to their faithfulness. And he was doing that out of a felt sense of obligation to uh, help uh, his community renew their relationship with their God so that they might experience new life. And in a lot of ways, that's exactly what we celebrate too. We just don't believe in the same kind of sacrifice. And so what we see is Paul has an awakening while he's walking from uh, one city to another. He's uh, meditating on scripture, imagining what the face of God might look like, and he sees Jesus's face there, who says, God, why are you harassing me? Why are you persecuting me? Why are you killing me? And we see then that Paul uh, has a an awakening. He, he finds new life in this incredible message that Jesus, this man that he saw as a distraction from God, isn't only not a distraction from God, but instead Jesus is the embodiment of God, the place where heaven and earth meet, the, the being that would help all of the world be renewed towards this divine purpose of caretaking creation and celebrating the abundance of blessing lived alongside God. And so from that moment forward, Paul um, uh, devotes every moment of his life to following this Jesus um, character, to following Christ, to living with the same zeal, to renew his religious community, and to re renew the world's community so that all people might experience new life and experience it abundantly. He is so committed that he starts to travel town to town, meeting new people along the way, starting to build new relationships. And while he's doing that, his own religious community starts to get mad at him and starts to persecute him and starts to usher him and his friends out of their city so that they don't continue uh, to muddy up the waters of what it means to be faithful. And Paul speaks against them, but he speaks for the people and he speaks for the presence of God. And it's, it's beautiful. Um, but in every city, he um, comes into some kind of conflict. He runs up against some group of people who doesn't want them there, whether they be religious 
or political. And that's exactly what happens in the story that was read for us today. When Paul and his friends enter into a new city first, they meet a woman named Lydia, who we didn't read about, but uh, you can read about her in the beginning of the 16th chapter. She's a, a, a woman who's a business owner, and not only is she a business owner, but she actually owns her own home. When she invites Paul to come to her home, she doesn't say to come to our home. She says, come to my home because it's hers. She's built her own business and she's built her own home. She's a woman of incredible power in this area for her wealth and her capacity to build things and her independence is amazing. And so she stands in stark contrast to the woman that Matt read about just a moment ago who, who was an unnamed um, slave. So she was possessed by people who owned her, and then she was possessed by a spirit who allowed her the capacity to see the future. And so one possession led another possession to make money off of her. And so again, she becomes insignificant to this story. She's just the one carrying the spirit. She's just the one who can earn her owner's money for them. She's nothing more but than, than a, a tool to be used. And so when Paul first interacts with her, you know, we could imagine the first couple of times Paul just sort of sees her as another person in the crowd who's uh, yelling out to him. But what she's yelling is, here are the servants of God. Uh, better translations might be, here are slaves to God, right? Finding equality in who they are and the way that they serve God. And they not only are they slaves to God, but they are bringing news of salvation to the world. And so Paul, you know, in some ways may have been okay with it, you know, that that is what he was doing. Um, but over time, we see that he gets more and more frustrated and more and more annoyed because they, she just continues to say it over and over and over again. It's on repeat. You almost wonder if she's stuck in a loop. Maybe this, this spirit is forcing her into a loop of conversation, either out of fear or admiration. We don't know. But what Paul does in an instant is he responds out of his own sense of frustration, not out of care for the girl, but out of irritation for the spirit within her. And so he looks not to her with compassion, but through her with animosity to cast out the demon. And then we don't hear anything of the girl anymore. There are um, optimistic theologians who think, well, you know, maybe, maybe the, her previous owners found that she wasn't worth the money anymore, and so maybe they sold her, and perhaps Lydia bought her, and then maybe even Lydia gave her a free life. And I think that is an optimistic reading. We don't see that in scripture, but I like that perspective. But I don't know that that's what happened. Because I don't know that's what happened, it leaves me with a little bit of a challenge. How are we supposed to wrestle through this passage? Especially when we compare it to passages about who Jesus is. Right, Paul, who uh, spoke out of irritation, in scripture, right? He's frustrated, he's angry, looks not to the girl, but through her to the, to the demon, the one possessing her, to cast it out. Whereas the compassionate heart of God, when, when a woman touches the hem of his robe, he compassionately allows himself to be distracted from his walk to Jerusalem to to offer healing and hope to this woman and then reintroduce her to the community. 
Or maybe like if you think about the time when Jesus was pulled aside by a Roman soldier, one who may have looked very much like the people who eventually would be driving nails through his skin. He, uh, this Roman soldier sees Jesus as someone with power and asks if he can help his son. And Jesus uh, puts everything down and devotes his entire attention to the needs of this child. Not out of irritation, not out of frustration, not out of obligation, but because Jesus saw it as a calling to heal the world. So I think this is where we start to see Paul as a human. And this is where we as human beings can begin to feel ourselves challenged between who Christ is and who we are and the ways that we interact with the world around us. It's complicated. Today is a complicated day. It's Mother's Day, which means for for those of you who um, wanted to be mothers and celebrated being a mother and, and now have children that you love dearly, I hope this day is one of celebration. We know families don't always go the way that we want them to. We know it can be far more complicated than that. And so in the midst of this complicated day, which makes being in large gatherings where um, motherhood is celebrated, can be complicated for people who wanted to be mothers and couldn't be, or who um, didn't feel ready to be a mother, but had to become one, or those who grew up without parents that loved them and supported them. Days like this can be really painful in the midst of a week where we see um, decisions being made that by the Supreme Court that uh, limit women's access to health care, in the midst of major medical decisions, major moments of trauma and heartache and concern, it's um, wild. It's, it's a complicated week. And so in the midst of a complicated week, we have choices about how we respond within it. Do we um, live as mirrors of Paul who can tolerate the voice of a girl for a moment and then get irritated? And rather than talking to her and offering relationship with her, we yell through her in order to control something beyond her? Or do we live like Christ, who purposefully lived with a heart of compassion, seeing the suffering of the women and the men around them in every moment, not trying to control them, not trying to change their perspective on um, what they should or shouldn't have access to, but instead trying to offer them some sense of healing. For people who had been defined for their whole lives by the wounds that they carried or the shame that they carried or the guilt that they held within them or incredibly hard decisions that they may have made in, uh, in their life or things that have happened to them that they had no control over. Jesus doesn't look to any of those things. Jesus doesn't offer judgment over any of those things. And Jesus doesn't offer control over any of those things. Instead, Jesus listens with a compassionate ear and responds with a compassionate heart, offering healing. And beyond healing, Jesus offers a space at the center of community life for these people, because that is what it means to live as faithful 
followers of Christ. It means that we're called to the center of society, not so that we could live at its center where the world revolves around us, but where we could celebrate in a divine dance with a family that is both uh, uh, given to us and family that is chosen by us so that we can live in union with the presence of God who calls us together, not to be different from everybody else around us, but instead to draw us in unity, celebrating the differences that exist between us. This week is complicated. And every time I read the scripture, when someone is going through something painful or traumatic, something that requires deep discernment, something that has fear surrounding it, God never comes with judgment, but always comes with compassion. So on this Mother's Day, how, how are you celebrating the women around you? Not just when they do what you want them to do, but instead, how can we celebrate women's presence and allow them their own voice in what happens in their bodies and to their bodies and around them? How can we live with compassion in a way that doesn't force one part of society to control another part of society, but instead allows a sense of genuine God-given freedom to permeate all of our relationships so that new life might spring up within us. And rather than allowing things of shame and guilt and trauma to define who we are, they might be aspects of who we are, but the fundamental root of who we are might instead be beloved children of God. That is what you are. That is what I am. And so as we step forward into what exists within the rest of our week, as we step forward into a complicated moment of our human history, I pray that we can walk forward with a unified voice calling for new life to spring forward and eliminating anyone's capacity to control another person's body. But instead, we might live as healers in the world, offering a space for people to process the pain that they may have experienced so that we might know the heart of our neighbors all the better because of it. So, Happy Mother's Day to those of you who celebrate on this day. And for those of you who do not celebrate on this day, may you find peace and compassion and grace in who you are, whatever that identity is. You are beloved by God. And because you are beloved by God, you are beloved by this community. Because you are beloved by this community, you are an essential part of it, and we, would love to learn about you so that we might grow in our compassion and our knowledge and our grace of the stories and experiences that shape our community. I am so grateful for you. And it is a complicated week that we step from and a complicated one that we step into. But the truth is the grace of God walks before us offering a path of freedom, of hope, of mercy, of compassion. And my hope is that each of us is 
able to rest our feet into the footsteps of Christ along this path so that our hearts might be transformed in love and grace. May it be so in your life and mine. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon from North Decatur United Methodist Church. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at ndumc.org.